Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's journalist and writer Gabriella White. Hello. Hello Gabriella, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I've come a really, quite a long way to be here. <laughs> You've come a long way to be here all the way. From uh, the bedroom into the lounge room. Actually, via the bathroom, so... Yeah, that's right. Okay. We'll put that in. That adds to our step count that we have been in competition for lately. Uh, What we're trying to say here, people, is we are in lockdown in Melbourne and have been for quite a long time. This is a special episode of the show because we are locked down together. Yes. Why are we locked down together? Well, we've been quarantining for this show for the last two weeks. It's the new (laughs) thing that I made guests do. It's a process, you know. The the premier said, you want to do the show? Stay in your house. <laughs> That's, that, that is the new rule. Podcasts are not exempt, which is can ridiculous. You, can you just reveal the secret? Because I, I think you're dancing around it. And that secret is... You are my partner. I am your partner. <laughs> this is my debut. That's the new... I am your well, father. I, well, like Cher and... Um, uh, what's his name? You Sonny? Know? Yeah. I don't know. What's his name? What's the point of remembering him? He's married to Cher. Best thing that ever happened to him. Didn't he died in a water skiing accident? Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, hit a tree, I believe. Anyway. Great. We're off to a really good that's start. Right. This is going to be one of the few non-grim classics that we're covering. I've already no, brought but that up. So in that, in that scenario, are you Cher and I'm Sunny? No, like, I'm still Sunny. So oh, don't okay. worry. No. You'll live to be into your mid-70s and look like you're still 45 years and old. Fabulous. Uh, we've been watching a lot of period pieces in mm. lockdown in our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you may hear a bit of chewing in the background here. That is neither of us. That is our dog Humphrey on the couch. He's actually the third guest. Yeah. Should Should we let him introduce himself? Humphrey, Let's just see what he's. You gonna try and mark him up? Humphrey, do you want to just come on? Do you want to come in? <laughs> that is the sound of a dog eating a that microphone. Was him. He just licked the microphone. Sorry. You, me, and Humphrey have all been watching a lot of period pieces in lockdown, and the book I'm covering mm. today happens to be one of your favourites. Yes. So, but before we get to that, that's one of the reasons that you're, you're, you're on this episode, but I always ask each guest if they've uh, been reading anything lately, and I know you have, because I've been, like you say, three foot away from you at all times. Yeah, because we share a bed. Yeah. That's how you know that um, what I've been reading. But for the good people at home, what have you been reading? Well, I have... Just, I'm almost finished um, The True History of the Kelly Gang. Yes. Um, and the reason that I'm reading a book from the year 2000 by Peter Carey uh, is because I am trying to read every man booker that was written in my lifetime. Sure. This has been like kind of a, a mission, a reading mission of mine, probably for the last five years. 
And the big problem is that every year they put out another one. <laughs> they don't just stop. No, so you can't catch up. This is, this is an infinite resource of man bookers. That's right. So, but, of course, for people that might not know this, the man booker, yeah. the Booker Prize, it's like a very famous literary award. Yeah, that's so that's for everyone at home. That's just snoot, toot, snooty, tooty books. That's, that's right. what they put up. So the problem, the other problem, apart from just the fact that they keep multiplying, is that a lot of them you can really tell what was like on vogue of considered the intelligentsia's like highbrow literature, fashion of the kind of four-year period. So it gets, yeah. So you're like going back to what was big in that circle in 1996 or something. Correct, yeah. Yeah. And normally, like you say, it's um, they have a new one every year and then two years ago they had a joint winner, so they added two that year. Yeah. So two years ago they had two, so I've only read one of those. Um, Fair enough. But I I did you the list of all the man bookers that have been written in your lifetime. And because you're older than me. <laughs> no, I've got um, more. Yeah, no, but there's those two years in your lifetime that there were two. So the year before I was born <laughs> sucks to be you. If you want to join me on this quest, you're going to have to read four books. And annoyingly, <laughs> Extra. none of the uh, the authors really are old enough yet for it to be like covered on my show. So no. I've got to read that as well as the books for this show. So yeah. I've got no hope of ever catching up. Yeah. But uh, the book I've been reading and uh, a book that you've read, uh, have you read it multiple times or just back? I think I have read it once, but it's been adapted many times. Many, many times. And in case you haven't read the title of the episode, the book we are covering today is a true classic of English literature, and that is Pride and Prejudice. Bit of Jane Austen. And uh, I've got to say, it's a very famous book, obviously, and not surprisingly, people can suggest books to be covered on the show. Not surprisingly, this has been suggested by a lot of people. So this is the point of the show where I read out a bunch of people's names and say thanks for suggesting the book. So first up, I would like to thank Erica Parody from Ottawa in Canada, Michelle Williams from Gurney in Illinois. No uh, further information of that is the actress or the Destiny's Child member, my favourite. Raina Ramirez from Cerritos, California. Kate Bonner from Perth. Nate, who's from Chicago. John Mortensen from California. Emma from here in Melbourne, Carly Pape from Loveland, Colorado. Love that. Catherine Schuler from Munich in Germany, Juliet Curran from Manchester, Rachel Johnson from Melbourne, Miriam White from Canberra, G.J. Corbin from Japan, Niam from the UK, Jessica Perez from California, and Ellie C. Clark from Melbourne. All over the world, people. All over the world. And not only women. I was pleasantly surprised to see a few... A few blokes wanting some Austin. Yeah, which we, we do absolutely appreciate. There's one name I haven't uh, read out yet, and that is Rebecca Spellman from Galway in Ireland. Uh, big shout out to you because people can write, uh, they fill out a form and tell me why I should do the book. He's explaining this to me because I've I've never listened to a podcast. <laughs> That's right, you know what podcasts are. <laughs> so people are hearing us right now, but not in real time. <laughs> Uh, no, Rebecca has written in, and I read it, I read them all, so thanks for writing them in, but I'm going to share Rebecca's because she wrote, Why Should You Do Pride and Prejudice? One of my favourite books, and very appropriate in a COVID-19 era because everyone was being socially distant, whether it was due to their pride, prejudice, awkward inability to express their feelings, or just thought the people around them were morons. I think probably also, great spiel, but I would add maybe the smell. <laughs> yeah. Because people weren't necessarily bathing as no. regularly as we would want them to in the Regency era. They're a bit like Hollywood celebrities. You know, they only took a bath when they were really dirty. <laughs> that's right. And that's the wealthy people. Too. Yeah. Yeah. 
today and then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, uh, Pride and Prejudice, I'll give a background, is an 1813 romantic novel of manners written by English author Jane Austen. The second of four novels published in her lifetime. It was initially published anonymously in three volumes, like I said, in 1813. I've previously covered Persuasion on the show with Jess Perkins and Broden Kelly, which is one of two published after she died in 1817. So, of course, it's a very, very famous book, and it has one of the most famous opening lines in all Can of I literature. Can I do it? I want to interrupt you because I know it off by heart. Okay, I've got it here. I'll fact check you just in okay. case. Well, he will. This is... You guys are really getting a glimpse of how our, dyna- uh, how our <laughs> dynamic works. Um, fact checker in chief over here. Yeah, fact check me on everything. Is the truth universally known that a man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife? That's very, very close. Oh, there you go. Fact check. <laughs> fact check. <laughs> it is the truth. This because I know that of the big fans at home. A lot of people told me it's their favorite book. They're yelling at me right now. But people are... I don't know if you know this, they'd love to yell at their iPod. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a truth universally acknowledged oh, that a single okay. man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Yeah. Great opening line. But do you get it? Because I only like, got it recently. Yes, when you say, <laughs> I think so. Like that it's a pun. Well, okay, explain the pun properties because I don't know if I'm getting it on the pun level. No, like you explain what you think it means. Well, because it continues, uh, however little known the feelings or views of such a man may be on his first entering a neighbourhood, this truth is so well fixed in the minds of the surrounding families that he is considered the rightful property of some one or other of their daughters. Mm. Okay, so let me break it down. Okay, let, break down the pun word. Cause the, so a man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Yes. As in, if a man has, at surface value, if a man has a good fortune... He must need a wife, you know, to keep him company. Yes. That's what, what else would you do with a good fortune? But also, if a man is in possession of a good fortune, it means he does not have a wife to spend that fortune. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Literature. Bang. That's why we got you That's here. That's what we call wordplay. That's why we got you here today. I was getting it just on the, on the level that uh, it's a bit of fun, that it's a, a universal truth, but the man himself may not be aware of this truth. Yeah. Everyone else around him, <laughs> that's the, it's the property of someone or other of their daughters. And we are going to get to those daughters because our novel takes place during the Regency era in England, during the early 19th century. So that's when they all wore dresses that, was, that were basically just cut like right under the boob and then just A-lined to the ground. So just if you're visualising period drama in your head, that's, that's what that is. Cut to the ground. Yeah, Boob cut. Right under the tits, all the way to the ground. <laughs> okay, fantastic. It's flattering. Uh, we follow the trials and tribulations of the Bennett family who live in rural England. At first, when I was reading it, I thought they were poor because of how they speak of other people with more money than them. Uh, but it turns out they're doing pretty well. Just the people around them are stupidly rich. They still have a large house with servants. They're doing all right. Yeah, well, it would be like, you know, if you're... Elon Musk standing next to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, looking around going, oh, I want what he oh, has. Man. Hey, you hang in there. You hang in there, Elon. Got a just really feeling you're going to be all right. Just by the bootstraps. Yeah, that's right. You're going to be all right, mate. Uh, now, the family, the Bennett family, consists of five unmarried daughters. From oldest to youngest, they are Jane, the oldest and most beautiful. Yes. Uh, she's exceedingly kind and always thinks the best of everyone. Yes. Very nice. Beautiful person. qualities to have. Yes. 
Especially in an older sister. Yeah, that's right. She's mm. just always thinking the best. Uh, then there's Elizabeth or Lizzie, who turns out to be our main character and also the smartest daughter. Mm. Uh, then there's Mary, who is a bit of a nerd, let's be honest. I reads books and uh, plays the piano badly. <laughs> Later on in the book, her father, Mr. Bennett, says, uh, quote, You've delighted us long enough. Let the other young ladies have time to exhibit. <laughs> which, is just... which is a kindly way of saying, please stop. Yeah, please wrap it up. Please. You're embarrassing me. Uh, then in order, we've got Catherine, also known as Kitty. Uh, and Lydia is the youngest and not surprisingly least mature. She and both Kitty are very keen about gossiping and meeting soldiers that are stationed nearby. Are they described as quite silly? Yes, both sort of silly. A bit, bit more childish than... Uh, than their older sisters. They're sort of preoccupied with uh, flirting with their soldiers nearby. So there's the five girls. They live with their mother, Mrs. Bennett, a rather foolish and outspoken woman. Uh, She is married to Mr. Bennett, a sarcastic man who was, quote, captivated by youth and beauty when he married his wife, but now spends his days making fun of her and, to be honest, everything. Uh, I imagined him sitting in a reading chair, uh, his face, this is if I was to do a play or something, but cu- his face covered by the newspaper, just sitting back and making quips about everyone the whole time. Yeah, well, I think there's just a lovely description of the degradation of that marriage in the book, isn't there? Yes. It's, that's why you don't marry for looks. Yeah, so that's he was... That's why I'm with you, love. You didn't marry me for looks. No. That is not my understanding so no. far. Yeah, no, I married you for your book cheap podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Great to have you, even though you've never heard it before. Um, <laughs> Which so, I've only just found out about. <laughs> is that what you go off and do every yeah, Sunday? Oh. <laughs> so that's our seven-member family, and uh, some news has just hit them that a wealthy young gentleman named Charles Bingley mm. has rented the nearby manor known as Netherfield Park, <laughs> and he's single. He's ready to mingle. You could say he's... Charles Bingle ready to mingle with the singles. <laughs> yes, I think we could call him that. Uh, Mrs. Bennett especially is absolutely losing it that this rich single man has come to town, but also the daughters. Everyone's a little bit uh, excited by it. But I, I feel like there's maybe a bit of context, maybe you're about to get to it, that you're missing there, of why Mrs. Bennett is so obsessed with getting her daughters. Oh, yes, I've off. got a quote right here for you. Love it. Uh, to quote from the book Fact again. The business of her life was to get her daughters married. Its solace was visiting and news. <laughs> Poor thing. So she's a woman on her mission. Uh, we'll learn later that she deeply desires her daughters to marry a wealthy man because as they have no male heir in the family, their property is entailed, which at the time means a male relative will swoop in and inherit it. Mm. So the you girls... like a third cousin. Yeah, so the yeah. girls will have nothing when their parents die. So you can see why Mrs. Bennett is pretty keen to get her daughters married and... If the potential suitor is wealthy, all the better in her mind. Yeah, but something that I think is interesting about Jane Austen is she's writing about what she's living, right? So she was part of that class and she really understood sort of the desperate desire of mothers to get their daughters married because that that was all you could do. You couldn't even go out and be, you know, a nurse or a teacher. Like getting married was it. For a woman of that class, that was your only possibility of living any semblance of happiness or independence or anything in your life to make anything out of your life. So I think she's actually, even though she makes Mrs. Bennett quite a silly character, there's actually quite a lot of compassion in that because she was really trying to protect and preserve her daughters and their futures. Yeah, that's right. 
She's uh, she's on a mission, but for a reason. Yeah. She's silly, but, you know, she's got love in her heart. But the sarcastic Mr. Bennett, her husband, does not share this sense of urgency, or if he does, he prefers to use it to make fun of Mrs. Bennett and the girls who urge him to meet the new local millionaire, this Mr. Bingley. He pretends not to be interested before secretly meeting their new neighbour without telling any of the girls. Which I think indicates that he also understands that same reality that he's Yeah, he gets it. But he he just doesn't want to, you know, gossip with them about it. And they're dying to know what he's like. And they invite Mr Bingley over for dinner, which he can't make as he gets called away to London. But eventually he returns, this time accompanied by his own posse, which consists of his two sisters, one of their husbands, and also a friend, a certain Fitzwilliam Darcy. Oh, a who? A.K.A. Mr. Darcy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't worry, we won't mention him again. Oh, okay. No, they all go to a local ball together, and Jane, the oldest and prettiest of the Bennet girls, dances twice with Mr. Bingley, who <gasps> says to Mr. Darcy, mm. she is the most beautiful creature I ever beheld. But there is one of her sisters just sitting down behind you who's very pretty and I dare say very agreeable. He is talking about Elizabeth, who hears Mr. Darcy reply, she is tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. I am in no humour at present to give consequence to young ladies who are slighted by other men. Oh, that's harsh. So needless to say, she's heard this. Yeah. Her first impression of him is, what a colossal dick. But, and can you, have you ever overheard someone talking about you? Like your heart just, oh, it's so horrible. Oh, especially if it's, oh, I don't think I could handle it like even, that. I think even if someone's complimenting you, I'm no. always like shocked back to reality that other people are aware I exist. You yeah, know? right. You've been perceived. <laughs> I've been perceived. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth also doesn't get a good vibe from Bingley's sisters, uh, but Jane is pretty stoked and surprised that Mr. Bingley, this rich man, was so into her. Yeah, because Jen's quite shy. Yes, and very modest too. So she doesn't seem to, if she doesn't realise it, or she never lauds how attractive she is over anyone else. She's like, who, me? No, she is, in fact, a most beloved sister. Yes. Yeah, you guys are going to get that in a minute. Now, the next day, the Bennett girls head over to their neighbour's Sir William's house. And his daughter, Charlotte, is Elizabeth's bestie. Uh, they have a bit of a debrief about the ball and realise that even though Mr. Bingley danced with Charlotte first, he thought Jane was the prettiest. So everyone is now gossiping, oh, this guy's pretty keen on yeah, Jane. He's into you. And Elizabeth, who knows her sister very well, thinks that Jane is falling for Mr. Bingley too, but uh, that she's hiding it well, not giving too much away. But her friend Charlotte thinks that if she hides it too well, then Bingley might give up on her. She thinks it's best not to know too much about your husband. Just get on in there. She says, mm. quote, happiness in marriage is entirely a matter of chance. Mm. Well, that's that's why I have, I've never heard about this podcast until you asked me to be on it because I was your last option. It's better just to know nothing. You yeah. know nothing about what your partner does. Exactly. We're just rolling the that dice here. magical life. Podcast? What the hell is that? Who are you? <laughs> I don't even know your middle name. Well, we're married. <laughs> so that's one potential couple. Meanwhile, Mr. Darcy, despite being very rude when he first saw Elizabeth, starts listening to her conversation at parties and finds himself becoming more and more attracted to her. Mm. But Elizabeth has no idea of this and she she still finds him awful. And when someone tries to set them up to dance, this time she refuses him. Mm. Boom. Lizzie, cop that. Your dog, Darcy. Now, the person most keen to get Jane and Bingley together is, of course, Jane's mother, Mrs. Bennet. Why? And why would that be? Because 
any marriage is a good marriage, but this marriage is the best marriage. Because? Security. A man in possession. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was like, where are you going? Must be in want of a wife. Exactly. And this single man is in possession of a very large fortune. And he is in want of a wife. A very large wife. No, well, just whatever size he can get, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whatever size Jane is, that's what size he wants. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, when Jane gets invited over to his mansion, um, Mrs. Bennett sends her over on a single horse rather than in a carriage, hoping that it will rain and then she'll have to stay the night. Oh. Uh, it does rain. However, it rains quite a lot. And this causes, causes Jane to get quite ill and she has to spend many nights at Bingley's house in bed. Oh. <laughs> okay, not like that. <laughs> well, you said it. Maybe. Uh, she hangs out with him and his rather snobby sisters. Mm. Elizabeth, Jane's younger sister, goes over to visit, arriving on foot and is covered in mud. I mean, it's probably like a speck, but the sisters judge her harshly. And when she's out of the room, they start bagging her out to Bingley and Darcy. Mm. And both Mr. Bingley and Mr. Darcy do defend her a bit, but Darcy also admits that he wouldn't approve of his sister going for a walk like that. And with their lack of money, the Bennets are hardly the greatest marriage options going around. Mm. Again, pretty brutal stuff. Mm. And he's saying this to Mr. Bingley, who is keen on Jane. Yeah, Bingle, who's single, I'm ready to mingle with well, Jane. The longer it goes on, he's not ready to mingle after what Mr. Darcy's saying. But it's talking him out of it. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, Elizabeth does put Darcy in his place a bit, though, when he lists characteristics of what would make an accomplished woman. It's super long, mm. very particular. And mm. she says, never saw such capacity and taste and application and elegance as you describe United, a.k.a. tell him he's dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they all spend another couple of nights together. And Darcy tries again to dance with Elizabeth, but she continues to refuse. Yeah. Well, why would she? After what he said no, about it. Such, such fucking dog. Ab- absolute dog. He's absolute dog. You're going to be surprised at this. This only makes him more attracted to her. Oh. Isn't that, isn't that so fucking typical? <laughs> Plank Just husk, yeah. fucking man. <laughs> oh, you said you think I'm disgusting. I'm so interested now. That's actually for everyone at home. That's how, how Dave seduced me. You told me I was disgusting yeah. on no less than 15 occasions. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I loved it. On our first date. Yeah. You are disgusting. Pass the salt. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, meanwhile, Bingley's sister is sniffing around, trying to get close to Darcy herself, uh, pretending to read books he likes. Uh, he's sitting there reading a book, and she reads. She's, she's like, "Oh!" Starts. She picks up part two of that book to try and look like she she's into the same stuff. And, and then, that that is such a move, you know. That but, really works. But it doesn't quite work when she goes, "Oh, this is so boring." <laughs> <laughs> but her main her main move is to put down Elizabeth all the time. Mm. But tragically for her, he doesn't... Well, that's actually Darcy's main move as well. (laughs) So, you know, trying to get on the same page. Are they both into Elizabeth at this point? Well, maybe. Uh, Tragically for her, uh, this is the sister, Darcy doesn't even really notice her. So Mm. it's real. He's only got eyes for Lizzie. very sad. The girls eventually come home from Netherfield and are visited by a relative. uh, The Bennett girl's cousin, Mr. Collins. Oh, an oblivious man with zero social awareness. Honestly, he's just a total prat. And unfortunately for the Bennets, this is the man that their property is entailed to. Yep. Meaning that when Mr. Yep. and Mrs. Bennet die, mm. he will inherit the house, the land, and the daughters will have nothing. They'll just be turfed mm. out. And 
doesn't it just speak volumes to what an author Jane Austen is that she names this character Collins? Because doesn't Collins just sound like fat sausage fingered <laughs> man you don't want to have at your table, let alone to take over your whole estate? Uh, cop that all the Collins listening. Yeah, if to your the name show. is Collins and you're listening. Now, if your name is Mr. Collins. Okay. You know. I actually didn't fact check if that was his first name, so it could be. His first name is Mr. Second name Collins. So name, the name's Collins. His parents just wanted to, you know, cut out the middleman. <laughs> Honestly, he's such a loser. I wouldn't be surprised. Can you imagine a newborn baby that you you stare in? Your child is born. Mm-hmm. You stare into its eyes, and you decide to name it Mister. <laughs> <laughs> and then until they're eighteen, they're known as Master Mister Collins. Yeah. That would be really confusing. Or until you're 31, uh, like me, it still says master on your credit card. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I've talked about that before on Do Go On. It's very embarrassing. Do Go On, what's, what's that? It's another podcast. I'll explain later. Uh, unfortunately for the Bennets, this is the man, like I said, that he is the one that's going to inherit everything despite him being in a loser. In the meantime, he's a clergyman and a very wealthy noble woman called Lady Catherine de Burr. Is that how I say that? B-O-U-R-G-H. De Burr. Wait, spell it again. I'm just like B-O-U-R-G-H. Well, that's Burr. Burr. Yeah. Lady Catherine de Burr. It's so close to Chris de Burgh, the singer of Lady in Red. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Anyway, he's a clergyman. This is what you need to know. And a very wealthy noblewoman called Lady Catherine de Burgh, aka Chris de Burgh, has employed him to serve in her church. And he's obsessed with this old woman, constantly talking about her and how great she is and how she's more classed. And smarter than everyone else. Which really endears you to the people around you when you won't t- stop talking about a rich old woman. <laughs> no, honestly, that's his topic of conversation at all times. And then a real bootlicker. One of their only activities of entertainment is uh, either... Listening to Mary play the piano. Yeah, listening to Mary or getting someone to read. And you're like, great, a story. And then they get him up to read. And then he starts reading from the Old Testament. And they're like, oh my God, this is so dull. Well, that's a real sorted, couple of real sorted tales there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what I'd rather hear, the Old Testament or Mary play the piano. Um, basically, Mr. Collins has come to inspect his future property and find a future wife. Mm. And he hones Chief in one. He hones in on his, on his own cousins. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Which is very just normal behaviour. Very normal behaviour. Mm. Are we related? Mm. <laughs> he hones in on his own cousins. Mrs. Bennett implies that Jane is probably going to be taken soon, mm. probably by Mr. Bingley. Mm. So Mr. Collins turns his attention to her younger sister, Elizabeth. Mm. Lizzie. Mm. I will come back to that. Because if the pretty one won't take you, try Anne at the smart one. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I say, folks. <laughs> Go for the one that sucks at piano, mate, honestly. Then the final main character to introduce is Mr. Wickham, a good-looking and charming military officer. Yes. Do you know what I'm going to nickname him? Dave Warnicky? No. What? Dickham Wickham. (laughs) All right, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that would describe this guy. He loves a Dickham. The sisters meet him on a day out with their cousin, Mr. Collins. Yeah. Uh, Everyone is infatuated and charmed by him. All the sisters are like, who's this young hot thing? Yeah. He's uh, wearing his uniform. He's probably got some epaulets or something on there. Yeah, hottie. Hottie, yeah. hottie with a body. Brass button, buttons. Red coat. Mm, oh, yeah. Uh, worlds collide when Bingley and Mr. Darcy happen to turn up in town and Lizzie oh. notices that there's some awkwardness between Darcy 
and this Mr. Wickham guy. Do you reckon Dickham Wickham Dick Darcy? Yeah, dicked him over. Yeah, that's in my fan fiction. <laughs> Honestly, that's no, not dicked him over, dicked him down. Mm. Oh, dicked him down. Yeah. Honestly, there's probably a fan fiction like that out there. If we were doing it, it's, it's Bingley's sister ends up with Lizzie and Wickham and Darcy reconcile and get together. Yeah. <laughs> well, you say reconcile because Lizzie looks at their awkwardness and goes, what's this all about? Then the next night, Mr. Collins and the Bennets are all going to their auntie's house for dinner and they invite this young, hot thing, Mr. Wickham, along. At this party, Wickham and Elizabeth speak alone and he tells her his story. His father worked for Mr. Darcy's father and he had planned... Also known as Mr. Darcy. Yes, yes. Darcy Senior. Darcy Senior. The big D. Big D. Daddy Darcy. (laughs) Okay, we'll call him that. He worked for Daddy Darcy and he planned on, this is Wickham, entering the ministry, Mm. which he was going to do with the support of Daddy Darcy, Mm. who said he intended to provide for his future. But then Daddy Darcy died, Mm. which is fun to say. (laughs) Darcy Jr. cut Wickham out of the will, keeping the money for himself and leaving... Darcy Exactly, and leaving unwicked Wickham destitute. Yeah. That's what he said. So he's basically saying... You say that you know that guy, Mr. Darcy, you know? Well he dogged me. Yeah, well Dickham Dickham Wickham, he wanted to be godly Wickham, but he was left with no other choice. Mm, that's right. Dickham Wickham. Take him to the streets. Elizabeth is shocked by these revelations, and her opinion for Darcy changes from dislike to utter contempt. How could he treat such a nice man so poorly? What a low dog. Yeah, that's what she said. That is a quote from the book. Uh, when she tells her older sister Jane, who's also super nice and sees the best in people, remember, she's like, Lizzie, there must have been some sort of misunderstanding. Yeah. Sure. No one would ever do yeah. that. Everyone's nice like me. Yeah. But Lizzie has made up her mind. Mr. Darcy sucks and he sucks hard. And we've got evidence because we heard him being quite rude about Lizzie at that first ball. Exactly. The first time we ever saw him, basically the first thing we heard him say was to be a real, real prick. Yeah. And also, he's just a man. Oh, there's nothing else to it. No, that's it. Also, he's a man, yes. I mean, checks out. Uh, Mr. Collins, speaking of men, everyone's least favourite cousin, who is... Sausage fingers. Soon going to inherit their house. And with his sausage fingers. With his sausage fingers. fingers. Held the key to the house, held in his sausage fingers. He's going to make sausages in the kitchen. With his sausage fingers. With his sausage fingers. Kimmy, he's trying to cut up the sausages, accidentally cuts off his own finger. He fries it up anyway. Nobody notices. Nobody notices. Well, he proposes marriage to Elizabeth, and she's a bit like, what? Ew, no way. (laughs) Which is how I reacted when you asked me, so. When I propose marriage to you. Just be persistent, God. (laughs) You still haven't said yes, but any day now. (laughs) He thought she would be stoked by the offer and is very much taken aback when she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, you're not interested in these sausage fingers. Yeah, I think what I could do with these sausage fingers. <laughs> I could cook up some sausages. He's like, if you get married to me, you can have these sausage fingers all the time. And then I'll <laughs> talk about my old lady patron. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God. I, please excuse me while I vomit into this bag. <laughs> he says, he's very confident, though. He says, surely you'll soon change your mind. But she's thinking as if. Again, <laughs> tell him he's dreaming. Her mother, Mrs. Bennett, is shocked because if she married Collins, then she could hang on to the house that they mm. live in. So she's like, Lizzie. She could save them all. What are you doing? You've got to marry this guy. But, yeah, Lizzie but is, Lizzie's like, 
mum, have you looked at his fingers really closely? <laughs> just tell me what they look like. Constantly making oinkies. Just have a little look. Lizzie is not interested in marrying such a pompous man for such reasons. She wants to marry someone she likes rather than for monetary or societal gain. Mm. A tall order. Honestly, in these times, yes. Well, any times, you know. Look at me. I'm married to anyone I like. You don't like my fat fingers? No. Sausage fingers. <laughs> mine, mine are the opposite. Mine are like... <laughs> Too thin. Twig fingers. <laughs> Toothpick fingers. <laughs> hmm? You like this? Uh, she is, however, sufficiently charmed by Mr. Wickham when she runs into him again. Mm. Remember, he's the one that says Darcy dogged him. Mm. He, called, it, he called Darcy a dirty fucking dog. He did That's say what that. I heard. But Dick and Wickham, she's like, I like this guy. So Lizzie is crushing on Mr. Wickham now, but it's bad news for her older sister Jane when a letter arrives saying that Mr. Bingley, the rich man that she's crushing on, is moving back to London with Mr. Darcy and his whole crew. Oh. The letter also implies that Mr. Bingley is going to marry Mr. Darcy's younger sister, Georgiana. Oh. Okay. Not great news for Jane. Mm. Elizabeth comforts Jane, but for her, this is more evidence of Mr. Darcy's meddling. Yeah. She's sure he's turned his friend Bingley against Jane and is trying to convince him. Yeah, he would. To marry the younger sister. Yeah. Really, really taking a set against this Mr. Darcy. Well, I'm Tim Lizzie. More like Mr. Dastardly. More like Dirty Dog Darcy. Yeah, okay, that's good. Mrs. Bennett is most upset by the news. Aww. For a while there, it looked like both her oldest daughters were soon to be married. Mm. But now neither of them are because yet more news arrives. And that is Elizabeth's best friend, Charlotte, has become engaged to this stupid man that is their cousin, Mr. Collins. Oh, Charlotte. Charlotte Collins married to Mr. Collins and his sausage fingers. Yes. What do you think? That's how they announce it in the... <laughs> that's, <laughs> like you unfurl that's the, the scroll. Gazette. Yeah. <laughs> I hereby declare. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to marry Charlotte to Mr. Collins' sausage fingers. You know, they have to factor in the runtime of the wedding, 15 minutes of trying to put the ring on his finger. Oh, just, and him dropping the, yeah. finger, the ring he's trying to Char- put on Charlotte, just <laughs> sausage fingers. Now, Elizabeth is most surprised that her great friend Charlotte would choose to marry... would choose to marry such a loser like that. Thanks for that interjection, Humphrey. Yeah, that was him uh, shaking his thang. He's, he was aggrieved that Charlotte would agree to marry Mr. Collins. Yeah, she's like, what? He's such a loser, but you're, you're my best friend. You're great. Mm. Then the gardeners, who are the Bennett's aunt and uncle, invite Jane to come and stay with them in London, which she is happy to do because she secretly hopes that Mr. Bingley, who's also moved back to London, mm. will come and visit her. Mm. They trot off, but not before Mrs. Gardner, their aunt, advises Lizzie not to fall in love with the penniless Mr. Wickham, Dick and Wickham, whom she is spending lots of time with. And Lizzie says, I'll try and not get too attached. I'll try my best yeah. to not fall in love with him or yeah. make him fall in love with me. Luckily, her crush on him doesn't last too long because pretty soon Mr. Wickham loses interest in Lizzie when another girl inherits a large fortune and then he hones in on her, mm. perhaps revealing a bit more of his character. Mm. Mm. Dick and Wickham? No. I mean, he's not a loyal, kind person. We trusted that guy with a name like Dick and Wickham. Dick and Wickham. I thought he was going to be the next president. What more could you want? Elizabeth is invited to her friend Charlotte and her new husband, Mr. Collins' house. And although she dreads the visit for weeks, she attends with Charlotte's parents, staying there for a few weeks. Because all these things, 
We've got to remember that they travel so far to get somewhere that by the time you get there, you got to stay for a few weeks to make they it worth your time. didn't travel that far. It's just it took so long because they had yeah. yeah. to walk everywhere. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. took two weeks to get here. I'm not going to stay for 15 mm. minutes. I'm not going to have a coffee and go mm. back. Uh, Mr. Collins is a bit pompous and Elizabeth still can't believe that Charlotte married him. Mm. But it is explained to the reader, quote, Without thinking highly either of men or matrimony, marriage had always been her object. It was the only provision for well-educated young women of small fortunes and however uncertain of giving happiness must be their pleasantest preservative from want. Mm. This preservative she had now obtained and at the age of 27, without ever having been handsome, she felt all the good luck of it. Mm. Basically, she was getting on, and by their standards, had never been super attractive. Her father, who was knighted Sir William, but they had little money of their own, so this, for her, was a good match. She's 27. That's mm. over the hill. <laughs> Can you imagine you being 27 and or older? Can you imagine being 27 and unmarried? <sighs> can't relate. No, cannot relate. <laughs> So Elizabeth is staying with them, and remember, Mr. Collins is a clergyman always going on and on about Lady Catherine de Bourgh, who lives nearby and invites them all to dinner at her massive, massive, this is the biggest house in the whole book, mm. mansion called Rosing. Uh, this woman is very rich and very powerful, and of course imposes herself dominating conversation and grilling Lizzie about her upbringing, which she finds less than satisfactory, as the Bennets didn't even have a governess looking after them. How? Could they? How could she get by? Uh, Lizzie does gain some satisfaction, however, because it turns out that Lady Catherine's nephew is Mr. Darcy. Oh. Lady Catherine speaks of how Darcy will marry her daughter, who looks frail and sickly, and Lizzie happily imagines her enemy married to this girl. A little bit of evil there, but... (laughs) Oh, he's going to marry her, is he? Great. Who amongst us has not looked up? An ex's new girlfriend and thought, well, well, I think I won that one. Yeah, well, well, well. That's what you comment, well, comment on their Instagram, their engagement. Well, I think I won this one. You're scrolling back way too far, like in a post you shouldn't even be able to see. Yeah. But the satisfaction in your heart, you won. Somehow tagged yourself in it. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. God. Uh, Mr. Darcy and another cousin, Colonel Fitzwilliam, arrive at Lady Catherine's house, and Lizzie again finds herself in the same company as that dreaded Mr. Darcy. Mm. She must, much prefers the new guy, Fitzwilliam, and when she does speak to Mr. Darcy, it's quite awkward. He tells her that his friend Mr. Bingley is likely to stay in London and never return to the countryside where the Bennets live, which is a blow because, remember, Lizzie wanted him to go back and marry Jane. Yeah, get back with Jane. But he's he's saying he's bingle and he's going to stay single. Mm. Mm. It doesn't stop him, however, from calling on her at Charlotte's house quite a lot. Yeah. 
And Charlotte jokingly comments that Mr. Darcy must be in love with Elizabeth. Why why else does he keep turning up? It's for Mr. Collins' sausage fingers. He's just got a thing for them. Hey, everyone's everyone's got their thing. Darcy's just really into Mr. Collins. Elizabeth goes for walks with the men, and one day when alone with Fitzwilliam, he mentions that Darcy has recently told him that he has saved a friend from an imprudent, a.k.a. Dishonourable marriage. Elizabeth. What friend? What marriage? Well, Elizabeth assumes that the friend was Bingley and the imprudent marriage, a marriage to her sister Jane. So she now thinks that, as well as being rude, Darcy has intentionally split up her sister Jane from her love, Mr. Bingley, all because he didn't view her as good enough for him. Oh. Well, you know what, Mr. Darcy? Maybe Bingley, Bingley, Bingle, isn't good enough for Jane. Maybe. Seems like he's easy, easily influenced. Maybe, maybe, do you think that's Mr. Darcy's thinking, actually, he said to Bingle, do you reckon you're good enough for her? She's really quite something. Yeah, I think that, that really fits with Darcy's character <laughs> yeah, development at this stage. No, she's, so Lizzie is alone, still thinking about this bombshell, mm. when out of nowhere, Mr. Darcy turns up and after several minutes of agitated silence, which I cannot imagine how awkward that is, if someone storms in and stands... An agitated silence is... <laughs> It evokes so much, you know. No, I don't. For several minutes, it says. <laughs> then he he breaks the silence and out of nowhere just says, In vain I have struggled. It will not do. My feelings will not be repressed. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. Uh, to finish that, the narrator tells us, Elizabeth's astonishment was beyond expression. So she's very, very shocked. Out of nowhere, he's professed his love. He then proposes marriage, but she totally totally rejects him she's like i thought you were here for mr collins what what she's polite at first but then he's overcome when she accuses him of ruining jane's relationship with bingley so she starts she just she goes at it and another thing yeah uh, and he admits that he says all right fine and then she also accuses him of treating wickham badly and cutting him out of the darcy family will saying Mm. Quote, you have reduced him to his present state of poverty. <laughs> his present state of poverty. Then it says, dash, comparative poverty. Comparative. <laughs> I mean, he's still doing okay, but it could have been better. All right. <laughs> now, Mr. Darcy is shocked by this and fires back. Could you expect me to rejoice in the inferiority of your connections? To congratulate myself on the hope of relations whose condition in life is so decidedly beneath my own? And that... For everyone listening at home, if you are trying to convince someone to marry you, I find if you insult them and then their family and everyone that they love and hold dear, that really gets it over the line. If they're just, oh, I don't know, it's a bit soon, just make sure you insult their family and friends. I yeah. agree. Good, good move. Well, she says, you could not have made the offer of your hand in any possible way that would have tempted me to accept it. <laughs> so it's all a bit awkward. He apologises for taking up her time and then storms off, leaving Lizzie to be like, what the hell just happened? Leaving Lizzie just, Lizzie's like, man, you know, man. What, what, you've only ever been rude to me and now you want to marry me? What is going on? Yeah. Uh, The next day. like, I thought that's, I thought that's what, is that, is that how it's what? Were you not into me? When you said you didn't want to dance with me, I thought that meant you wanted to marry me. Oh, is this not how good Hmm? relationships are? Is this love? You in love? <laughs> well, the next day, Elizabeth goes for a walk and Mr. Darcy approaches out of nowhere, 
gives her a letter and then keeps walking. It's almost like a, a spy making a job. Once again, very good, normal, no. really engaging behavior if you're trying to convince someone to enter into a romantic <laughs> relationship with you. Any sort of partnership, really. Someone's like, oh, I don't really know if I want to be friends. Just try insulting them and then handing them a letter as you walk away quickly. (laughs) Sounds like, I don't know about your business idea. Insult, hand the letter, walk away. I mean, walk away. Well, she she rushes home to read it, still thinking, what is going on? And in it, he attempts to explain and defend himself. First of all, he admits to attempting to break Bingley's romance up with Jane, thinking that Jane wasn't attached enough to him yet to experience true heartbreak Remember, she plays her cards pretty close to her chest and is a bit mm. aloof. So that's how he's justified that. He simply didn't want to burden his friend by marrying into the Bennett family with its lack of wealth and propriety. What? Yeah. <laughs> Write down your insults I if know. you can. I simply didn't want to burden my friend by marrying a loser. If you put them in an email format, that just <laughs> makes everything easier. Everyone's got a clear record of what was said. He's bolded the word burden. <laughs> he's italicised. Your burden, your, your burden. family and friends. <laughs> he also addresses her claims about mistreatment of Mr. Wickham. Mm, Dick and Wickham. He says that he did provide for Mr. Wickham after Daddy Darcy died. Mm. Wickham took the money and ran and squandered it before coming back and asking for more. Mm. And when Mr. Darcy refused, Wickham attempted to elope with Darcy's younger sister, Georgiana, mm. in the hopes of at- obtaining her fortune that way. So basically he says... Mr. Wickham is a liar and he's also a scumbag. He's a scoundrel. And Lizzie is not sure how to comprehend this information. Mm. She returns home to the family residence, so back in the countryside, as does Jane, who is a bit bummed out because during all their time in London, which is multiple weeks, Mr. Bingley never visited. Yeah, Jane's got a little broken heart. And he should know she's there because his sister, Miss Bingley, did drop by one time. Mm. It was a bit awkward. They didn't really get on very well, but she's still like, why didn't the man come visit me? Doesn't he well, love me? I think Lizzie knows why. Because of that dirty dog. That dirty dog, Darcy. Well, they get home and their younger sister, Lydia, can speak of nothing other than the soldiers who've been staying nearby. Oh, Lydia. She's so silly. Yes. And they're soon to move to Brighton. Their, their stint in the town is up. And she wants to move with them. I, f- I feel like soldiers in the town, that's the Regency era equivalent of One Direction. Just screaming oh, yeah. fans, 15-year-old girls. And then, it's those red coats. And then uh, 10 years later, you're like, what was I thinking? 10 years later, you're like, oh my God, he's got a solo career now? <laughs> Who? But she, it is basically like a boy band on the run because she wants to move with them. She wants yeah. to follow them to Brighton. Her father, Mr. Bennett, allows it on the condition that she stays with the respectable Colonel Forster. Mm-hmm. Assuming that this man of high rank will keep his naive 16-year-old daughter out of trouble. Mm. Colonel Forster and Mrs. Forster. Mm. Elizabeth tells Jane the truth about Mr. Wickham and how he's an absolute lying dog. And with Jane, who, remember, is super nice, agrees not to tell anyone because people can change, is what Jane says. Maybe he's not like that anymore. Let's not ruin his entire life now. Yeah. I love that about Jane. I'm siding with Lizzie. Let's ruin his life. Yeah, okay. But they keep that information to themselves. Uh, It's worth pointing out they did not do the same for Mr. Darcy earlier on, so everyone in the town and their family thinks that Darcy is an absolute dog. (laughs) They never gave him that that benefit. Jane's like, it's a little bit too late for the redemption there. Anyway, let's just not tell everyone. Yeah, that's right. She's like, I'm a nice person, but come on. Even I've got my limits. I have limits. Yeah. (laughs) 
Elizabeth then goes on another trip, and at this point I'm thinking, what a life. What a life. This trip is to the countryside with her aunt and uncle, the gardeners. The gardeners. Her aunt is very keen to visit the great estate of Pemberley, which is the mansion where Mr. Darcy lives. Oh. And Lizzie, because they were, they were meant to go at first up to the Lakes District. Yeah. Beautiful part of England. but then Lovely. They, Good for your health. They didn't have enough time anymore. So then she went, let's just still do a shorter trip. Yeah. We'll go to that old place, Pembley. I'd love to see it. Pembley, Lake District, same dip. Yes. And Lizzie freaks out at first because she's like, I don't want to see that guy. Yeah. It's really awkward between us. But hearing that Mr. Darcy is not at home at the moment, she agrees to come along. Yeah. So they go to Pembley, which is a grand estate surrounded by a forest and it has a river flowing in front of it. And Lizzie's mind begins to wander and it says, quote, and at that moment, she felt that to be mistress of Pemberley might be something. Yeah, Lizzie's like, oh shit, I could have owned this. This is pretty big. This is nice. <laughs> but of course, thankfully, Mr. Darcy is nowhere to be seen. There's, there doesn't have to be any awkwardness. They do speak to the housekeeper who has nothing but praise for her young master, calling him, quote, the sweetest, most generous-hearted boy in the world. I mean, that's lovely, but... Is the housekeeper really going to bad now? <laughs> that would be very oh, poor form. Oh, uh, he's an absolute dog. Oh, yeah, no. Darcy. We call him Dirty Dog Darcy <laughs> around here. Master Dirty Dog Darcy to you. So she's, so she's so over the top with praise that Lizzie's uncle keeps bringing Mr. Darcy up just so the housekeeper will keep talking about him because it's like amusing how over the top she is. It makes Elizabeth wonder if the lady could possibly be talking about the rude man that she knows. Mm. Anyway, I guess we'll never know because he's away. What's that? She's walking the grounds and there he is, arrived home unexpectedly? No. Oh, what a hottie. That's what happens. Do you yeah. say what a hottie? Yeah. There he is. He walks and talks with Lizzie, who is super duper embarrassed, but also with her aunt and uncle. And he's very charming and friendly. And he tells Lizzie that he's returned early to host Mr. Bingley, Bingley's sisters, and Darcy's sister, Georgiana. And he invites Lizzie to dine with them and meet Georgiana. Oh, which, lovely. Which she accepts. She's like, oh, okay, it's quite nice of you. This is the Regency um, equivalent of meeting the parents. Meeting the sister. Well, because most of your parents would... They're all would dead. I'd <laughs> <laughs> love to bring someone home. Not quite. Well, the gardeners and Lizzie get back to their carriage and comment about how, how charming and attractive Darcy is. Oh, v- attractive? Oh, very Mr. Mu- gardeners, yeah. like, tell you what, Lizzie, you could do worse. You could do worse. He's pretty hot. I did look at his fingers. Not a sausage in sight. I don't. I don't think you would compare it to being sausages at all. <laughs> As Lizzie knows, that is the main um, criteria upon which one judges attractiveness. Yeah, it was a different time. Yeah, but they're like, gosh, he's so nice and quite attractive, which is very much at odds with what Elizabeth has previously told her family. So they're mm. quite shocked. Mm. Honestly, they're coming from a low bar. Basically because he didn't tell them to go fuck themselves. They were like, oh, this guy's all right. So they all meet Georgiana at this dinner. Darcy's sister is pretty, but very shy. But she seems very friendly. Bingley's sisters, however, are rude to Lizzie and make a joke about how her family must be sad about the soldiers leaving their town, which is a thinly veiled barb about Mr. Wickham. Dickham no- Wickham. Yeah, because they've been known to hang out with this soldier and they're like, oh, yeah, of course your family would be sad. All those lowly soldiers are leaving. So they've made this comment about, you know, implying about Mr. Wickham, but Lizzie very nobly just leaves the comment, doesn't reply really, because unbeknownst to Miss Bingley, the person that would be most hurt by Wickham being brought up is Georgiana Darcy, Mm. Darcy's younger sister, who's sitting in the room and 
he tried to elope with her years Who ago. Who almost got dicked down by Dick and Wickham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but they don't know that because, you know, Darcy's gone to great lengths to keep it a secret. Uh, once Lizzie and her aunt and uncle leave, Miss Bingley tries to put down Elizabeth to Darcy, mm. saying that she once thought Elizabeth rather pretty, but not so much now. Mm. Darcy absolutely puts her in her place when he replies that he now considers Elizabeth, quote, one of the handsomest women of my acquaintance. Oh, and wouldn't you just love to be told that? Yes. Darling, I consider you one of the most handsomest women of my acquaintance. I've been dying to hear you say that, so it's good to have it on record. Thank you. <laughs> Things are looking up. Things are heating up. Until they are not. Oh. Uh, because Elizabeth returns with gardeners to find two very distressing letters from her older sister, Jane. Oh, dear. It seems back home. It seems their younger sister, Lydia, the one that went to Brighton to stay with the colonel, has, Silly, el- Lydia. has eloped with Mr. Dickham Wickham. i got to tell you why. I saw that coming. Did you? I'd read the book, but I saw it coming. <laughs> That's right. I've read the book. I've seen the adaptation. I've seen the film. He's the evil guy for the people playing at home that didn't see that coming. The younger sister, who's the young, naive one, has now eloped with the dirty dog, Dick and Wickham. The sec- He's a scoundrel and a liar mm-hmm. and, the sec- and a hebophile. The second letter explains that they haven't been heard from and that Jane's not sure if they're married yet or most scandalously have any plans on getting married. And this is the worst possible scenario because if they don't get married, Lydia will ruin the entire family's reputation. Yeah. So it's a big big deal. Mr. Darcy appears at that moment to find Lizzie. He's come to tell her that he thinks she's one of the most handsomest women. <laughs> He's like, I've been, I've been working on this line. This is going to get me across with you here. He's like, I workshopped this with Bingley. <laughs> he said it was cool. <laughs> he walks in. Lizzie's just read this letter alone. And she tells him what's happened. She's so shocked. She's like, you'll never believe it. Because he knows Wickham and what he's like. Darcy curses himself and apologizes for not exposing Wickham to the world earlier. And Elizabeth is like, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Mm. I should have said something about his character and let people know to avoid him, especially my young, impressionable sister. And you know who's really to blame in all this? Jane. If Jane wasn't always seeing the best in people. Exactly. If Jane was not as nice, yeah. the world would be a better place. I mean, that's, that's it. <laughs> you heard it here, people. That's a life lesson for you. Be a bitch or take a hit. <laughs> So Lizzie rushes back to her in the country accompanied by the gardener. So she rushes home. They get home to find the house in complete disarray. Mrs. Bennet is freaking out, blaming the colonel for not looking after his daughter. Mr. Bennet has gone to London to try and find them and they're worried that he will get into a duel with Wickham and maybe get killed. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jane and Elizabeth examine the letter sent to them by Lydia where she speaks of her love for Wickham and will soon sign her name Lydia Wickham. Mm. And that's like me signing the front of my notebook. Gabriella Styles, big love heart. <laughs> Photo of Harry. That's Harry Styles for everyone playing along at home. Oh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Gardner, Lizzie's uncle, follows Mr. Bennett to London but writes that they have found no trace of the couple. Mr. Bennett is now just going to every hotel in the city looking for them. Going door to door, basically. But that's really what you want is your dad... Knocking on every hotel room trying to find you and your boyfriend. Just kicking down the door of every honeymoon suite. Yeah, love it. And meanwhile, the news has gotten out and Mr. Collins, their pompous cousin, writes a very rude letter stating that he was so sorry to hear the news and implies that the Bennets didn't raise Lydia properly. And of course, the whole course of events is a terrible look for their family. Which is astonishing that he could write that letter 
because his fingers are so <laughs> sausage-like. It's extraordinary he can even hold it. He can't a hold it. He had to finger paint the letter yeah. in large, large and font. He dictated it to, uh, to poor Charlotte. <laughs> uh, two days go by and I cannot overstate how, how worried the family are about this situation. It's like Lydia has been kidnapped by a serial killer and they're waiting to hear if she's okay. That is... Well, and she... In a way. But they, that's how on edge they are. They, yeah. This will ruin their family in, in their minds. They finally hear word from Mr. Gardner, the uncle, who's found them. And Mr. Wickham has agreed to marry Lydia as long as Mr. Bennett pays a very small annual salary to him. And it's so suspiciously small that Mr. Bennett assumes that Mr. Gardner must have paid a very sizable sum up front, like £10,000, to get Wickham to agree to the terms. They know he has very large gambling debts. There's no way he would agree to marry her for such a small amount. So now Mr. Bennett thinks he'll have to try and pay Mr. Gardner back, which he can't afford to do. So Lydia has in other ways ruined the family. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Bennett, meanwhile, flips from utter despair to unbridled joy at the news that her daughter is getting married. Which is a very normal reaction. (laughs) One minute Wickham is a scandal, the next he's her untouchable son-in-law. She's like, Dickham Wickham. Oh, (laughs) Dickham Wickham. Just high-fiving everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bennett is less forgiving, however, and doesn't want them to ever come to his house ever again. After the wedding, which they do off in London, Lydia writes and says her husband has taken a military post in the north of England and asks if she can stay with them on the way there. And after much consternation and resistance, Mr. Bennett finally agrees to host them. So the family do get back together. And when she's there, Lydia is oblivious to the fact that she nearly destroyed the family and spends the whole time talking to her older sisters about how great it is to be married and condescendingly says stuff like, I hope one day you'll know this great feeling. And they're Everyone like... Everyone loves to be lectured to by a 16-year-old. Yes. One that previously, like, no one in the house has slept over the last three nights because they've been freaking out so much. She's so silly. Elizabeth, meanwhile, still thinking... About Mr. Darcy, she's starting to think if he was to propose again, this time she might say yes. But she thinks after rejecting him, that's almost an impossibility. So she tries to just push it out of her mind. She's like, Lydia continues to go on and on about the wedding and how great the day was, blah, blah, blah. And she just happens to mention very offhand that Mr. Darcy was there. And Lizzie's like, sorry, what? Mr. Darcy was there? Darcy. And Lydia has been sworn to secrecy. Can't talk about it. So Elizabeth is a little tittle tattle gossip. Yes. Oh, oh, sorry. Did I say that? Ooh. Did I? Did I? Oh, Darcy. Couldn't did possibly I? say that. I don't know who Darcy is. <laughs> so she writes a letter. This is Elizabeth to her aunt Gardner, who was there at the wedding. Yeah. And the aunt totally spills the beans on the whole situation. She explains that it was Mister Darcy who found Wickham and Lydia hiding in London, and that it was him who paid a very very large sum to Wickham to ensure that he would marry Lydia and avoid the embarrassment of Elizabeth. But no one is allowed to know. What could this mean? Elizabeth is very thankful to Darcy, but she's also like, why is he doing this for me? Yeah. Oh, well. First you insult me. (laughs) After Wickham and Lydia moved north, news arrived that Mr. Bingley is to return to his mansion in Netherfield near the Bennetts. Bingley drops by the Bennetts accompanied by Mr. Darcy and looking out the window, Mrs. Bennett is like, it says, quote, oh no, that horrible Mr. Darcy is here too. Why would he come here? And she's nice to Mr. Bingley, but quite rude to Darcy, not realising that he's the one who saved the family by paying Wickham off. Yeah. Well, that's on Darcy. That's right. He's kept that a secret. Yeah, but imagine she's like, oh no, the worst ever man's here. Yeah. 
She said that to his face. (laughs) But Darcy, because that's how he chose to propose to Elizabeth, he actually takes insulting you to your face as a compliment. Yeah, he's like, oh my goodness, Mrs. Bennet, thank you so much. Wow. Oh, quite amorous. Mrs. Bennet, um, you're a married woman, please. (laughs) (laughs) The next night, the two men come by for dinner, and sadly, Elizabeth and Darcy are seated on opposite sides of the table and can't really speak. But they're playing footsies, like, really, really hard. But then they realise that they're kicking Mr. Collins the whole time. With the wrong person. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Darcy, I thought you had quite fat toes. <laughs> Lizzie has now accepted there's no way Mr. Darcy will propose for a second time, as if. Meanwhile, Mr. Bingley finds himself alone with her sister Jane and he proposes marriage. Oh, yeah. Bingle is no longer single. No single. He tells her the reason he didn't visit her in London was because he didn't know she was there. Her sister didn't pass on the news. What a dog. Everyone, especially Mrs. Bennet, is so stoked by the proposal. Yeah, Mrs. Bennet would be. She's so, so happy. happy. Daughter's getting married and to a very wealthy gentleman. To a very wealthy gentleman. Well, I say that, but not everyone is stoked about the news. The Bennets are very, very surprised one day when Lady Catherine de Burr, the noblewoman, arrives unannounced at their house. What? What the hell is she doing here? She wants to speak with Lizzie. So they go for a walk. She tells Lizzie that she's heard about Bingley and Jane, but also heard a rumour that her nephew, Mr. Darcy, plans to propose to her, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Something that she finds ridiculous and impossible, considering Elizabeth's societal status, but also that Mr. Darcy has long been promised to marry her own daughter. Do you know, it seems like it might be a family trait of coming around to insult you. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a hobby. (laughs) Tradition. She explains that when they were both babies, Darcy's mother wished for them to be married. She's like, if you were to marry Mr. Darcy, it would go against his mother's dying wish. Yeah. And Elizabeth. And very normal behaviour to betroth your your baby yeah. to another baby. They were so cute as babies. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth is, of course, so, they've got so much in common. They're both ba- I mean, they both eat baby food, for example. They both spit up. <laughs> they both shit their diapers. Always crying. Elizabeth is, of course, surprised by the news of the rumour of Darcy wanting to marry her, but plays it super cool. And for me, this was the best scene in the book where Elizabeth comes into her own and really stands up for herself. The older woman, Lady Catherine, keeps pushing and pushing, trying to find out if they are already engaged and then to get Elizabeth to agree that she won't marry Darcy and Elizabeth refuses to agree to that. Lady Catherine says, Miss Bennet, do you know who I am? I have not been accustomed to such language as this. I am almost the nearest relation he has in the world and am entitled to know all his dearest concerns. Mm. And Elizabeth responds, But you are not entitled to know mine, nor will such behaviour as this ever induce me to be explicit. So she refuses to back down from the wealthy and powerful woman. I love that she says, Allow me to say, Lady Catherine, that the arguments with which you have supported this extraordinary application have been as frivolous as the application was ill-judged. You have widely mistaken my character if you think I can be worked on by such persuasions as these. How far your nephew might approve of your interference in his affairs, I cannot tell. But you have certainly no right to concern yourself in mine. I must beg, therefore, to be importuned no farther on the subject. Lizzie said, Bitch, if I wanted to listen to you, I would ask for your fucking opinion. (laughs) Otherwise, you can take it somewhere else. Absolutely drops a smoke bomb on her. Lady Catherine does leave in a huff. 
and Elizabeth assumes that she will also go and visit Mr. Darcy, who's staying nearby Bingley's house. She supposes that that would be the end of her chances with him. Surely he wouldn't ignore the advice of his powerful aunt. If this aunt is so close that she gets to know his every desire and business. Surely. And a couple of days later, Darcy, staying with Bingley, go over to the Bennetts' house and go for a walk with the family. And uh, there's a famous Goodreads review of Pride and Prejudice from 2010. You've probably seen it. It gets circled every few months. That gave it one star and simply says, just a bunch of people going to each other's houses. (laughs) And honestly, it is hard to argue against that. There's a lot of that going on. But So they're on this walk and Lizzie and Darcy find themselves alone together. He confesses that he is still in love with her. But if she doesn't feel the same, he will never, ever mention it again. What does he say exactly? Do you remember? One word from you will silence me on the subject forever. Brilliant. But Lizzie... that's hot. That's what every woman wants to be told. I'm going to ask you to marry me once because I'm super hot and rich. But if you say no, I I will just leave you the fuck alone. I feel like if that... You want to put anything in your pocket, especially teenage boys listening, a couple of teenage boys, big fan of this podcast. That is how you should behave. Proposing oh. to people. No, offer it up, but then say, <laughs> if you say no, I'm going to leave you alone. What if you say yes and you're 16 years old? What? Listen to the point of the story. <laughs> no, no, no you're, you're telling teenage boys. I'm telling teenage boys. Ask her out, and if she says no, leave her alone. That's hot. All right, I'll remember it. I'll write that down for when I propose. When you ask out a teenage girl? No, for when I propose to you. <laughs> One, if you say no, she'll forever be silent on the subject. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just stay in the same house together. <laughs> it's very awkward. I'll be silent forever. But Lizzie tells him that she has indeed changed how she feels and the two become engaged. Engaged? Engaged. Do they kiss? They do not kiss. What? It's Jane Austen. There's no kissing. Damn it. We Damn. can imagine a kiss. Oh, yeah. So they're engaged. He also adds that his aunt, Lady Catherine, did visit him to tell him not to marry Lizzie, but that actually backfired and gave him hope Mm. for if Lizzie wasn't interested, then she would have just said no to Lady Catherine. So suck it, Lady C. She actually made him confident that she might actually be into him. And doesn't that just say that Lizzie and Darcy are quite a good match because they're both motivated by spite, which is an excellent motivator. (laughs) Lizzie's sister Jane is super surprised when she hears the news from from Lizzie and Elizabeth has to convince her that she does indeed actually like him, Mm. (laughs) which is funny. Mr. Darcy drops by again later to quietly ask Mr. Bennett's permission to marry his daughter. As he arrives, Mrs. Bennett, as oblivious as ever, is surprised to see him coming up the driveway and says, I'm quite sorry, Lizzie, that you should be forced to have that disagreeable man all to yourself. But I hope you will not mind it. It is all for Jane's sake, you know, and there is no occasion for talking to him except just now and then. So do not put yourself to inconvenience. <laughs> Which is great. And she's like, he's here to ask you if I can marry him. <laughs> but she doesn't say that. Mr. Bennett is also quite surprised when Mr. Darcy asks for his blessing and even says to, to her, Lizzie, what are you doing? Are you out of your senses to be accepting this man? Have you not always hated him? But and once Lizzie's at a- like... Yeah, but that's hard. (laughs) But once satisfied that she's happy, he, of course, agrees to the marriage. Mrs. Bennett has the best shock reaction out of all of them when she finally hears the news. She says, Good gracious, Lord bless me, only think, dear me, Mr. Darcy, who would have thought it? And is it really true? That's a lot of processing. She she nearly says my grandma's favourite when she hears uh, surprising news. 
Good lord. My 95-year-old grandma, I love it. Uh, once she accepts the news as the truth, she is instantly overjoyed and starts talking about how Lizzie's husband is even wealthier than Jane's husband, Bingley. Which is, again, just a normal reaction. Normal Very reaction. good. She's like, he puts his fortune to shame. Basically, Jane's married a loser. Jane? Who's Jane? Jane, get Lizzie's out. my new face. I have no other daughter. Uh, at the end of the book, we learned that the two oldest Bennett sisters got married and then moved to their respective mansions, but were within 30 miles of each other and remained close. Kitty, their younger sister, spends much of her time with them and was taken away from Lydia's influence and grew up to be quite respectable. Mm, not silly. Silly Lydia, on the other hand, and Wickham still lobbied Lizzie and Darcy for money and often overstayed their welcome with both sisters. So, you know, some things never change. Mm, but Lizzie... Dick and Wickham. But Lizzie and Darcy's sister, Georgiana, were able to grow close. And what happened to sweet Mary? What did happen to sweet Mary? They didn't give her a postscript. I don't think that I've got... I've got I don't remember reading about it. They say she's still playing the piano <laughs> to this day. <laughs> you keep at it, Mary. Lady Catherine was sickened by the news at first and wrote such an abusive letter back to Mr. Darcy that uh, he cut off all contact. But Lizzie implored him to patch it up and eventually Lady Catherine visited them, possibly out of curiosity to see how someone as lowly as Lizzie would conduct herself. And the final line is about her aunt and uncle, about her aunt and uncle, the gardeners, who took Elizabeth to Darcy's house where they were accidentally reunited that time. The final line is, with the gardeners, they were always on the most intimate terms. Darcy, as well as Elizabeth, really loved them. And they were both ever sensible of the warmest gratitude towards the persons who had been the means of uniting them. Of uniting them. The end. What do you think? <laughs> oh, it's, it's such a tale, isn't it? It's such a tale. Yeah. Hopefully everyone at home uh, was able to keep up with the characters because there is quite a few. Mm. But if you won't, just watch the movie. I wanted to say it's been adapted many times for TV and film. In 1940, Gree Garson starred as Elizabeth Bennet opposite Laurence Olivier as Mr. Darcy. Mm. Two greats there. Uh, one of the most famous adaptations of Jane Austen's work is, of course, the 1995 BBC miniseries on Pride and Prejudice starring Jennifer, Jennifer L. as Lizzie and Colin Firth as Darcy. Now, I must admit, I've never seen that. I know you have. Mm. But I do know one thing about it. That is the iconic sexy image of of Mr. Darcy in a white wet shirt speaking to Lizzie. And I was waiting for that this whole time. And remember, I said there's a river in front of his house. I'm thinking yeah. that that'll happen at the end. Maybe he'll propose to her. That'll be yeah. it. But it never happens in the book. They just put that in. Well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't Jane Austen doesn't describe Mr. Darcy emerging from, from a lake sopping wet. Sopping wet, yeah. I, I honestly it's thought, a metaphor for I, how Lizzie is feeling when she sees him. Yes, but I was waiting for sopping it. Sopping wet. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that scene showing Firth in a wet shirt was recognised as one of the most unforgettable moments in British TV history. So it is a very famous scene. But yeah, I thought that people who may not have read it would be interested to know that that does not happen in the book. No. And there was also the movie a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think you've missed the best adaptation. The miniseries is, is very good, of course. But if you just want to have like a quick and dirty Pride and Prejudice, I think the 2005 movie is actually pretty good. It's very true to the story. Okay. Some of the narration is then in dialogue between characters. It's not actually things that they say, but it's very good. 
Right, and we're, we're, you and I actually are going to watch it now because I have, I've tried to avoid... When I read a book, I like to read it before I watch any TV or, or movie adaptation because I then start imagining the, the actors rather than the characters. In fact, in this, Colin Firth is so ingrained in pop culture as Mr. Darcy, I was imagining him. Every other character I was able to use my imagination as normal, but I was yeah, imagining... You were imagining him sopping wet. The whole time. Which was a metaphor for how... How you was, were feeling. Yeah. Honestly, I thought I was imagining a wet, ma- wet. a wet man the whole time. A very, very wet man. So how do you feel about this book? I know this is slightly different to usual because most of the time, but not every time, most of my guests haven't read the classic that I'm telling them about. Yeah. But you have. I have. Uh, and you've also seen multiple adaptations. So you knew the plot quite well. Yeah. So are you, I get guests to score it out of five, but for once you can actually give it your real score out of five based on the actual Austin work. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to score it out of five and I'm going to give it um, one star. This is a book about people going to each other's houses. (laughs) No, I'm going to give it five stars and say this is a book about people going to each other's houses. Yes, but they're very interesting houses, aren't they? They're great houses. They're interesting people. I think Jane Austen is a lot easier to read than you first think she is. Yes, I, I must say I... It took a few chapters to get into it, but yeah. once the ball gets rolling, you understand the characters and then you understand, hang on, this is actually very funny. And the language I don't think is that dense, although obviously you were a bit dense when you didn't get the double entendre with that opening line. Look, but to be honest, I don't think many people do. So well, now we all can. You can all share in that knowledge. We can all understand that. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five just to oh, show yeah. that I also really, really enjoyed it. I think I would just say read Jane Austen. You can read her. It'll be fine. Yes. You'll, you'll have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Would you would you say is there any other? Uh, I've now read this and Persuasion. They are the only two Jane Austens I've read. Is there any others? I'd say that this is like the quintessential one, which it was it was great to you know finally have the the pop culture knowledge from it. But is there any others that you would suggest people go to? I'd say my favorite Jane Austen story is Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, but the one to read I think is Sense and Sensibility. Okay, I think that's a lovely book, and oh. you'll get through it. You'll get through it really quickly. I'll have to put that high up on the list. Yeah, it's lovely. Well, thank you so much for for joining me in our home to yeah, talk I didn't about have an option. <laughs> no. This is this was it. Thanks for letting me shove a microphone in front of your face and yeah. hit record. Well, I had to hit record myself, so <laughs> that's true. Uh, th- honestly, though, thank you so much for for coming on. If people want to find you online, where where would they find you? Well, if you want to um, read my tweets which you might not want to, um, you can find me on Twitter at Gabriella M. White. Fantastic. And, uh, or you'll just get a lot of information about coronavirus and politics. Hey, it's all important stuff. It's all important stuff. And, of course, uh, Humphrey, thank you so much for joining us. He has uh, fallen asleep very rudely about an hour ago. An hour ago. Uh, but if you want to get in contact with me, you can find me at BookCheatPod on all of the social medias or support the show at patreon.com slash do go on pod we put out a bunch of bonus episodes for our other show do go on i've never heard of it some people have uh but gabriella white thank you so much for joining me thank you so much david warnicky until next time i'll say thank you and goodbye Books forever. Books forever. I forgot my own thing. You have heard it. You have heard it. Well, you've heard me yelling that in the front room like a maniac. One time. One time I listened to your podcast. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 